<laughs> What's up? I'm Samantha Ronson, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, we have a very special episode brought to you live from the Can Lions International Festival of Creativity. Uh... The Lions people are kind enough to, to give me a press pass every year. And um, if you're in any business involved with creativity, advertising, entertainment, whatever, I suggest you get down there to the south of France. It's a great week in, uh, in June. It's beautiful, of course, uh, on the beach there in, in Cannes. And, you know, you'll meet people, you'll get inspired, you'll get information. It's, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. I started going a couple years ago and realized I should have been there probably my whole career. So uh, check this one out. We got another one coming at you ne- next week. But this week, our guest is uh, the one and only Samantha Ronson. If you don't know Samantha, she's a great DJ. She's a musician. She's um, been in the news for lots of um, details of her personal life. She's She's got some great stories because she was, um, you know, most people get to develop their craft kind of in private and uh, become, you know, more known as they go. She didn't really have that luxury. She's got a famous brother, Mark Ronson, famous stepfather, um, Mick Jones from Foreigner. She's had some famous relationships that we talk a little bit about. And uh, anyway, some, some great stories about how she's managed it all. Um, we have a little bit of a friendly argument about uh, some of what's going on. I don't think it was really an argument. We kind of, we, we pretty much agreed for the most part, but uh, you'll hear it. We, we talk a little bit about what's going on with the cancel culture today with um, celebrities getting into trouble and the kind of pros and cons of all of that. It's, it's a really fun interview. Um, I hope you're going to enjoy it. Let's get into it right after the EDM.com track of the week. Part-time nigga make part-time money. Shit. Yeah. Pipe down, pipe up, whatever you wanna do. Oh, yeah. Uh, money go way. I'ma go stuff me a bag. Yeah. Uh, fill it with racks like I got infinite racks. I got unlimited racks. Mm, bitch, I got infinite racks. I got unlimited racks. Yeah. Look. I got my wrists on glass. I got the plug if you ask. That was Troy with Unlimited Racks, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. Uh, and right now, let's get into the interview with Samantha Ronson. I love it. That's that's funny. Things you learn from Instagram. Somebody said the other day, asked me their dumb paparazzi outside dinner. Like Madonna said that social media is terrible for people and it makes... Uh, makes people compare themselves makes them feel bad about themselves and I was like I love social media it's like basically my news source right. it's like my curated news source because I actually sure. get news from sources that I can trust as opposed to everywhere else I mean it's so like I think we just look for these convenient excuses right like yeah people are judgmental or they're you know whatever. and then it's just an easy thing to blame social media for that I don't think I don't think any of that's new. Yeah, we did it with magazines before. Totally. Now we just, like, get to do that to ourselves 24-7. When I was a kid, I grew up in San Francisco. Uh, We had these slam books. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they were gone by the time you were in school. But um, they were just, it was just a spiral notebook. Mm -hmm. And on each page, there was a question. And then you had it. And so you were number 13, and you just turned the page and answered the question on line 13 for every page. And people would just write the meanest shit about each other. It was like the YouTube comments of right. the of the late seventies. But but you owned it. Like it was 
everyone knew who wrote what, right? You, you did, know. yes, you did. But even that didn't really stop kids from just being mean to each other. Right, but at least you knew the source and you weren't right. hiding. No, you're totally right. I'm you just were saying, be like, a dick to somebody, you were going to be a dick to somebody straight up to their face. Hundred percent. But I'm just saying, people are still shitty. Yeah, people have been like we didn't need Twitter to become shitty. No, like, we just got to do that at people that we didn't have access right. to before. Totally. But uh, but I think sometimes we make more of these changes. I just read a great book, the David Byrne book about music, and uh, it made me wish I was more of a talking Stop heads making fan. Sense? No, it's called um, uh, How Music Works. Oh yeah. I wish I liked Talking Heads more than I... I love the Talking Heads. Uh, I mean, Talking Heads is still... Love. I love two songs. What's that and song I like that I still more. play in a lot of my sets? Uh, Burning Down the House. No. Or... Uh, uh, this Must Be the Place. This Must Be the Place. Yeah. No, so I mean, good. they have some great music. But on the whole, like, it's not like... I don't think that much about talking heads. Okay, that's my point. But his, but he, what he, what he had to say was so smart. I think growing up in New York, it's a New York A little York bit different, thing. Yeah. for sure. And I, and frankly, I like Tom Tom Club more. Fair. Uh, I play that too. <laughs> I mean, that's such an amazing record. Uh, but he made this point about how like we have all these complaints about the current state of music, and he gave examples for the last hundred years of how those same things have been happening. And even, like, he talked about compressed audio, and, like, the phone company invented that in, like, the 40s. Right. Because too many people were making phone calls, and so they had to compress the audio in order so that the switchboards didn't get overloaded. Oh, wow. And then radio, like, came into the same thing, and, like, so, uh, anyway, but we always think that what's happening now is, like, the thing. Right, it's its own special, unique thing, and it's not. It's just recycled. Yeah. Right, yeah. Anyway, that's not why we're here. I, I appreciate <laughs> you doing this, and especially because we don't know each other, and you were kind enough now to answer do. my DM, which is amazing of you. Um, and so thank you. Thank you. I mean, look at this. This is incredible. Too bad we're not video- videoing this. I know. Because it's an uh, incredible view here in Cannes. Um, and I want to talk about... Yachts. For sure. And I want to talk about what you're doing here. But I want to start at the beginning. Um, do you remember the first record you ever bought? I do. I bought Wham! Make It Big. Yes. Did Wham! Make It Big and... Uh, what a great place to start. Thriller. A thriller. That's cool. Thriller or Off the Wall? Which one is it opens out and he's like... Uh, I think that's Off the Wall. Off the Wall. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, 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 it's hard to, like, to me that's a better record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to Thriller's obviously an incredible I mean, record too. But yes, but Off the Wall, well, because I like to think that Off the Wall is the one because Off the Wall is a cooler record to say. Yeah, for sure. But I wasn't sure if I was lying to myself, <laughs> but apparently no. I, I mean, Off the Wall. That's a great... Both of those. Those are like a high bar to set from the beginning. But that was like as a child, like going record shopping, not yeah, sure. as a DJ. Of course. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I'm assuming, that you, you know, you coming from a musical family, that music is always, always a big part of your life. Yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was just kind of, it was, it's funny though, because I didn't, uh, I never really like had to, provide myself with music sure like sometimes when we would go on holiday like my stepdad would give us money when we'd be going off with our dad yeah to places like this uh-huh. and we would buy like cassettes at like the airport and things like that yeah but i would end up buying foreigner records <laughs> is that like, right yeah it's so dumb <laughs> i think i think just to piss off my dad oh, to hurt his good. feelings because yeah. like we'd be going on holiday with him so do you have a favorite foreigner song star rider Okay. It's it's an album cut for sure. Okay. And yeah, my stepfather clearly. sings it. Yeah. And he doesn't sing a lot of songs. He sings very few songs, oh, cool. but he sings the first half of that song. And I love. I mean, I gotta tell you when like when Head Games came out, I was I was at that age. I was I don't know, ten, something like that. It's a good album cover. About, it was a great. I mean, the cover and uh, and that song. Could you imagine that album cover coming out now? Well. I don't, like, 
I don't know what artists can get away with now. Definitely not a lady in a men's room, like, half-dressed. I, I mean, but like. think about this. So many covers. Think about all the Ohio Players covers that are naked women. Yeah. Think about, like, every... Definitely wouldn't be on Instagram because of the so, nipple. Right? <laughs> um, think about all the heavy metal covers that yeah. are just so exploitative. I mean, the Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Is that a, is that a, uh, how can I ask it? Is, I know you're very outspoken on <laughs> social about your social political beliefs. Um, uh, that I am. I also, though, am a little bit stuck in the past where, like, I'm like, well, that's just how it is sometimes. And I also have, like, a limit to the woke culture of as my little sister calls it, the cancel culture. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, that's canceled. And you know... I think that kind of avoids, the top, like, this whole, like, cancel Michael Jackson, cancel this one, cancel that one. And in many respects, I understand it, but then it doesn't leave any room for discussion right. or understanding of other points of view. I'm really, really struggling with this Michael Jackson thing right now as a DJ, as a Michael Jackson fan. Oh, let's argue. Can we argue about that? I haven't. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if we'll argue or if we'll right. agree. I, I'm going to just make up a perspective to disagree <laughs> with you. I am... I'm a, I'm a Michael Jackson fan. Sure. I, I, I was saying when... I, when the whispers about finding Neverland or whatever it was leaving Neverland um, were coming out and everyone was saying like Michael Jackson is done I was like I don't know if I want to be a DJ wow in an era where I can't play Michael Jackson yeah and damn we're not going to disagree and like the uh, the influence that he's had on pop culture and everything all together just seems like R. Kelly bye bye like you are a Uh. current Abuser well, of women. You, sure. Like, no new money, R. Kelly. Okay. But, like... I, okay. You're, you're pro R. Kelly? <laughs> I am not going on record No, we don't have I'm to have this on R. Kelly. record. I, no, but... Uh, so, here's what the argument I'm going to make. Number one, we have to separate the work from the artist. But I don't want to give money to somebody like R. Kelly who's using that. that money to rape women. I understand that. And I think those are different things, right? Like, they're different. And so what I'm saying, you know, my wife, in our house, we have no financial stake in Michael Michael Jackson. We're not DJs that play him and whatever, right? So uh, she is disgusted. And when she hears the music, it triggers those feelings, right? right? So she wants to not hear Michael Jackson ever again, or at least this point in time. I love those songs. And if they come on, I enjoy them. And I don't think about the terrible things that he did. That doesn't trigger that for me. Same. And, and I believe that we have to... I mean, if we look at the, uh, the, cre- the things that are created by humans, some of whom are shitty or varying degrees of imperfect, right? There is amazing uh, work that's brought into the world by people who don't quote-unquote, deserve our praise and fame. Right. And yet, I want those things to exist in the world. Yes. Because I think that they matter and they bring something to the world, right? Yes, like most great artists are fucking crazy. Right. And so I want to draw that line and say, I can hate you or or I can hate these things that you've done, but I can still appreciate these other things that you've done. Okay. Not everyone can do that, but I think that that's important. You guys know, in addition to the podcast, I run a creative business. I think a lot of you probably are in the same boat. Uh, Maybe you do photography, design, you throw events. I don't don't know what you do. That's on you. But if you run your own business, you know, you're used to doing it all. You're struggling to get everything done. Um, You got to be the the business and the creative. And, you know, all the administrative tasks is not really what you signed up for. But it has to be done. So I want you to check out HoneyBook. It's an online business management tool that organizes all your client communications, your bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. It makes it simple to run your business better, uh, leaving you more time to do the stuff you want to do. It can even consolidate some of the services you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, whatever. 
Um, so it lets you save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. Right now, just because you listen to Rebel Radio, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash rebel. Payment's flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to honeybook.com slash rebel for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash rebel. Have you listened to that Gerard Carmichael stand-up? Yes. He's talking about when he forgave Woody Allen. He was yeah. like watching some terrible movie. He's like, that's when I forgave Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. And the Ignition remix. Listen, right. I love the Ignition remix. That's the thing, right? So, so, so I get not I get wanting to punish R. Kelly. I'm going to add a couple things to it. One is that he doesn't get all that money that a lot of people who had no knowledge or participation in any of that also get money from that work. Right. Producers, writers, whoever, right? So you're you're punishing some, which you They've might, already got that money, they don't need to work with them anymore. No, I understand that, but I'm just saying like if you're not if people are refusing to play if radio is refusing to play R. Kelly, then the songwriters are punished as well. And maybe right. you just say, well that's collateral damage and that's the way it is. Okay, fair enough. Next, he also had uh, collaborators. He had managers, uh, label people who knew about, you know, we've known R. Kelly was a pervert for 20 years. Chris Rock was making jokes about it. He made that, let me pee on you, Yeah. 20 years ago. And no one did any, no one really cared until now. And so we're also not willing to punish, we just want to punish the one person. And maybe because he benefits the most, but... You know, you, we can also argue whether the artist actually benefits the most from the exploitation of his masters. Like, True. That's another question. Uh, and then, to me, the biggest one, though, is that um, R. Kelly, we can easily label him a disgusting person, or we can at least easily label the things that he's done and maybe would continue to do as disgusting. Uh, but he's also a victim. I know, it's so hard, because he is also and, a victim, so was Michael Jackson. Right, and so, and, and what I think... But so, R. Kelly so is a grown man with the means to break that pattern with therapy and help. I'm not saying he shouldn't be held accountable for his actions. I am saying that it's in society's benefit not to just cancel things, yes. but to recognize the need for healing. Yes. Right, and, and I think that we lose the ability to do that when just all of our energy is focused on disgust and fury and punishment. Yes. And again, However, maybe that's a time thing. That I needs... reserve that right for Chris Brown. I have a no Chris Brown policy in my okay. life. Okay. Fair enough. I don't actually don't play Chris Brown because I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't like his shit anyway. That much for the music, so still. that's an easy one. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, look, we all have to make these choices. So let's talk about you though, because um, that's more interesting. Um, <laughs> So, at what point did you decide music was going to be your life and your, your career? Um, I never, it was never like that big of a decision. You weren't like going to be a doctor and then all of no. a sudden? No. I just, you know, I went away to college for my first year. And when I came back to New York, I lived alone. My brother, my sister, and I, uh, I have a twin sister, we all lived in the same, we got a lot of apartments in the same building. Mark and Charlotte were on the first floor. I was upstairs. So I still spent a lot of time in their apartments because it was a walk-up. And then uh, I realized that, like, like music doesn't just magically appear. So growing up in my house, we we had a jukebox with, like, you know, classic 50s, 60s music. And then Mark or my stepfather, there was always music playing. And Charlotte was actually the one that would... My twin was the one who was more... We shared a room our whole lives, so yeah. she always had music. She had like cool, like alternative shit, like Dinosaur Junior and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then when I went to college, I just had like I don't know, like a Cat Stevens CD or something. Okay. And um, I was much like more singer songwritery yeah. kind of into. And then um, when I got back to New York, all I had was a Hitsville USA box set mm-hmm. and the Macarena it was literally all I had amazing 
That's an amazing apartment. collection. Yeah. I mean, it was so sad. So I would listen to the radio. And then my stepfather had bought a, a guitar for himself when he had come to uh, set me up for college. Because yeah, I lived in Paris, and that's where he started his career. And so I brought it back and hung it on the wall and then started playing it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then that's kind of what started the playing music kind of stuff. And then... I, when I got a car is when I got CDs. That's when I started like building up my collection musically. I mean, it's like so dumb. And then the guy I was dating at the time was the door guy. The, I mean, I don't know if he would say we were dating. I thought we were dating. It was the door guy at this place called Moomba Uh in New York, this lounge that I would go to all the time. And the DJ didn't show up one night. So we got my CDs from the car and we played. Nice. And then they were like, but I had already started collecting records because the first girl that I hooked up with was kind of hanging out with, she had records. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. So I was like buying albums because I love the sound of the crackling. And so I was like just raping my stepfather's record collection, just taking all the greatest stuff. Sure. And um, I mean, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's records. Yeah, I thought so. I don't, I don't know if he appreciates it so much, but that's how I built my library. Yeah. And, uh, and so I brought records down the next night, and I'd started buying hip-hop records, because that I didn't... He didn't have. He didn't have that. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have that, so... Hard to imagine uh, your stepfather being a big hip-hop fan. But he was a, he's a big music fan, so he wasn't not, but it just, like... Right. His records weren't... Current. It's not like he still was still buying records. Sure. They were all like seventies, eighties right, right, right. stuff. And so um, I sort of like I think one of the first like albums I remember buying when I was like going to start DJing was like Main Source and like Breaking Adams. Yeah, Is that it? Adams. I reminisce with bliss of when we was closer and wake up to be greeted by an argument again. You act like a ten, so immature. I try to concentrate on the cure and keep looking at the front door. And uh, yeah, looking at the front door. I love that emo hip hop stuff. Talking about like broken hearts and shit. We fight every night. Now that's not kosher. I mean, come on. This is one of the greatest. Wow, I can't. I mean, I never thought of that as emo rap. I mean, I guess it is. Yeah, it's all like love songs. It's all like yeah. Like uh, sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick. Yeah. Those were all. That's what I connected to. So like. That tribe called Quest, Beastie Boys, uh-huh. kind of all like that kind of crew, that East Coast kind of sure. stuff. That's what I started buying, and that's what kind of started. Like people, people in New York at the time, like you were either like a rock and roll DJ or you were a hip hop DJ. There wasn't a lot of like crossover. Yep. And my brother would play like cool mashups between like ACDC and like MOP and do cool stuff, but nobody was playing like a night with all of it in uh-huh. and when I started DJing I did not because I was like some like trailblazer it's just like I had to fill six hours of sure. a night yeah and you, 10 and till 4 in the morning and in some way you kind of didn't know better no I had no idea I wasn't meant to be a DJ like I wasn't yeah. trying to like I was just like I like this song I like this song I wasn't mixing I wasn't blending I wasn't like beat matching I was just playing songs and from 10pm to 4am that's a very large amount of time and I'm not that strong so I didn't have that many records and so I played what I had right and my crates and I just kind of mixed it all up and and you could at that time pretty much because it was New York was all lounges right. at least where I was going so sure. like you know when Ghetto Superstar was like the number one record you played that but you also played like I would play <laughs> Joe Walsh Life's uh-huh. been good so far because it was so fucking long. That's how I would open and close every night. <laughs> no, and like when Doves Cry was my like go to the bathroom record, uh-huh. the twelve inch of that. Nice. I don't know. I mean, so I I accidentally made music my life, but it wasn't ever like Mark was like focused. Sure. He was just like since like I can remember, he was like in my dad's music room which before you called it like a studio, like he was like recording songs on a four track, Uh you know, like tape and doing all that crazy stuff. And I didn't really get into music until it just, I was like, oh, it's not just going to follow me around. Like I've got to figure out how to like 
provide myself with tunes and that's kind of like so was there a moment then kind of looking in the rear view that you're like it just became your yeah like basically the first I remember writing in my journal after like that first night playing CDs at at Moomba being like I think I want to be a DJ nice and I remember finding that years later I mean oh it wasn't like a total accident I did decide (laughs) one night that like I liked it and then but and, and did your brother or, or uh, your stepfather help you kind of get started? No, no. no. Uh, I think Mark just kind of saw it as something silly. He, he just said to me, it's better to be thought of a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah. So, like, if you, if you don't know what you're doing mixing, just right. one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Sure. And... Uh, I was also that kid that was like super passionate about whatever it was that I was passionate about while I was passionate about it and then equally as passionate about something else like yeah. maybe 15 minutes later. Yeah. Like it wasn't like hypocritical. So, it wasn't... So was that like, do you mean like people were expecting you to like just lose interest and yeah, move on to something Yeah, because I like really wanted to be a veterinarian at what one do you point. Think? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wanted to be an actress. I didn't... So what do you think kept you in, in music? Well, it was funny because when I was going to like acting classes and doing that kind of stuff, I remember my stepfather talking to me about it and he was like, but are you passionate about it? I was like, yeah, I love it. He's like, no, no, but like, could you live without it? Like, are you passionate about it? And I was like, yes, it's everything I want to do. And then when I found music, I was like, oh, (laughs) that's what he meant. Because like, I would die without it. And like, that's like songwriting too like I was just like a sad kid so I write poetry and then when I started playing guitar I was like oh I could put these two together sure. could be so I think that's why songs like looking at the front door and sometimes where I'm slow like resonated so much with me because they were I always looked at like rappers as poets mm-hmm. like at least the sure. ones that I really enjoyed yeah. and so that's why I think I connected so much with those songs because they were so much they were so lyric based and so all about like an emotion or a feeling more so than I think pop music was at that time. So that's why I love it so much. Was there a moment, like I think most of us learned about you, you know, in that, forget you know I forget exactly what year it was but in that moment where like you know Paris Hilton and uh, mm-hmm. you know Aoki was just starting to blow up and AM and you know I think for a lot of people that was like the pinnacle of uh, club culture crossing over into kind of mainstream culture yeah. um, was there a moment of a kind of big break not really because it's funny you say that and then I see these things like somebody posted something yesterday and it was like some Teen Vogue article where I'm like I don't I have no recollection of it whatsoever but it was me and like Tara Reid and Rosario Dawson from like they were doing Josie and the Pussycats (laughs) and I was like giving like one of them Tara Reid maybe like a DJ lesson and I guess maybe one of them was a DJ in the movie and it was like and that was definitely before that time so like I was signed to Rockefeller Records as like a song, as a singer songwriter. So for me, it wasn't. It was just like more people knew about me. I think maybe because it was in LA and it was th- that paparazzi culture and all of that. But like, I had the same level of whatever in New York too. I just sure. think New York was just like it was a more different cool. culture. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was more of what you're talking about the lounges. Yeah, and I just think it was so, like, yeah, maybe it was just, like, it's, looking back on it, it's, I, I guess, like, maybe who I dated at the time was, like, made it a little, put me more on Front Street. Well, I mean, I kind of, like, overshadowed, <laughs> like, and I mean, I, I would assume more people know of you as Lindsay Lohan's ex-girlfriend oh, than as a DJ. It's so gross. But uh, being known as anybody's ex is just so mortifying. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. Like, but like, uh, especially because I'd had my career going for so long, it wasn't like, 
I, w- I was, I, it's not like I became a DJ while I was with her to like capitalize off that fame. Like it was, those no, people but, knew who I was because I was a DJ. But those people sort of don't matter then to what you're doing. Right, right? of course. You know. But it's so hard. It's just like I get so frustrated sometimes. You know, and you're fighting with trolls online and I right. try not to get, get got. But sometimes I'm <laughs> just like, I, there's sometimes where like people will say something negative and just like rope in my whole family and it's like yeah. dude I want more Grammy winners on my kitchen table than like get the fuck out of here you know <laughs> and like but I just it's funny how we'll we I don't know about you I will always find that negative comment like there can be like 50 like you're great you're great that one negative comment you're like I'm a I suck, I'm worthless, no good. But, like, I, there's nights when I'm, like, you know, I'll text Mark and be like, God, do you ever feel like maybe, like, you shouldn't be doing this anymore? Or, like, he's like, of course, we all have, like, our bad nights. We all sure. have those nights where we're like, God damn it, like, I'm off. And yeah. then, they'll, then they'll be like, a night that's great. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I love this. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I think that's... I think more so when I'm... It's kind of supposed to be that way. More so when I'm playing, like... I don't love a lot of the new... I don't love a lot of, like, that down-tempo trap shit. I don't, like... I grew up spinning in an era of, like, Swiss beats where, like, the amped records were amped. And now playing, like... Sometimes I feel weird, like, people dance to Post Malone because... (laughs) It's so slow, and I right. love his music so much. I think he's so great, but it's like, dance floor it's music. not dance floor music, so I don't really understand. So I've like gone and seen people like gone like if I'm in like Sundance or somewhere like that where DJs are playing a bunch of little nights, and I'll go see someone play after. I'm like, so you play this shit, but nobody dances, right. but they love it, but they're not. Like it's so weird. So you're you're. Yeah. people get mad when you don't play the record but then you play the record and no one's dancing to it anyway so you're like there's no I don't understand well, well I think it's like there's people have different reasons right and so like we come from that club culture where the DJ's job is to make people dance yeah and we go to dance right and so you have this certain and I think that's one of the challenges I've seen you play a couple times and and I think you're a great DJ. Thank you. Um, and I, uh, I was in Hong Kong uh-huh. a couple years ago at a Hugo Boss party. Oh shit! That was fun. And I almost came up and said hi, but it was like nobody was dancing. Uh-huh. Was, right? Everyone's dressed in black, standing there, and I was like, "This is a great set." That, like, no one is no one. paying attention yeah. to. And then I saw the Hugo Boss guys later, and they were like, wasn't that a great part? Like, and I was like, no, it sucked, <laughs> except the music was great. Thank you. But. Yeah, those nights where you're like, I mean, I ended up having fun in the booth because I liked what I played. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you're like, huh? Like, are you ever going to get drunk enough to dance? Like, what's right. going to happen? And right. it's just, like, a different. They, but they have a different purpose. Is my right. Point, right. It's so strange, and I don't drink anymore, yeah. so I really get in my head so much. Sure. And and I think I was better off drinking because like I didn't care so much about every single song. Of course. But now like I was playing at uh, this club in Vegas the other night, and Bruno Mars was there, and so uh, the promoter was like come say hi Bruno wants to say hi and like I know him because of my brother he's a lovely guy so I like go say hi and we talked for a little bit and I made the fucking mistake of being like hey what do you want to hear he's like play some grimy shit right (laughs) and then but I'm doing the Lady Gaga after party for her thing right Right. so like I'm not going to be playing grimy shit I'm going to be catering to the fucking Lady Gaga crowd so I fucked myself so right. now I'm like somewhere in between playing like <laughs> grimy shit for Bruno and trying to keep my job at the same time. And at the end, I had to just be like, fuck it. I, 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 I can't worry that Bruno thinks I'm cool. Right. Because he's not writing my check. And he's, and he's <laughs> not going to think about it. Right. You know. But at the same time, 
but it's no, a lounge. Totally it is not like a. It's not one. It's not a super club. So it's right. a lounge anyway. So I was just like, I was so torn the whole night. I literally ruined my night with that one little comment because like, then I was like, fuck, is Bruno having a good time? Are they having a good time? Is the promoter like, am I doing my? Job? And I was just like, oh Samantha, like don't do that. Just right. like. But so much of it was like catering to. But that's the hard thing. Like, I, you know, to me, that's the hard part about being a DJ. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, I'm interested in your perspective, but but mine is that um, you have to find the right balance of playing what you want and what the room wants. Right. And if you go too far in either direction, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I have friends who are DJs that are all in their own heads. They play whatever they want. They don't give a shit. They're not... And, and frankly, like, that's not good DJing. No, I and mean, I, I'm a codependent, people-pleasing DJ. But if you're too far in that direction... You can't right, people Because people don't all... They don't know what they want, and the whole room doesn't want the same thing, right? right. And so... Um, you kind of have to just, like, settle on, like... 60-70% of the room sure. and hopefully like the people basically the people that are dancing are the ones that I'm going to end up playing for because I'm right. not going to play for like the four people in the, the four cool guys in the corner right. who are like yeah I love this record I'm like well tell that to your face <laughs> do you know what I mean like whenever I go see a friend like sometimes I'll go see a friend DJing and they'll, and they'll say like is there anything you want to hear I'm like you do you right. like I'm here to see you Yeah. and I, I don't want to make a request well it's hard because you know like like tonight my set will definitely be catered like my friend earlier was asking me like well what are you going to play tonight I'm like I'm going to play whatever the room wants right. like you don't have a plan I'm like literally no plan I have all my music yeah but like if I end up playing like a bunch of 80s shit like because that's what the room responds to that's what I'm going to play tonight sure. I mean I'll have everything but I was listening last night from my room. It was like a medley of just shit because all of oh yeah every every, like every, every beach club app has had a party and like they were all clashing and it was right. offensive. But I was listening. I was like, oh yeah, I'll probably play that record. Oh, that's working. I was like, oh, I wonder what that crowd must be like because it sounded like a set from like 15 years ago. I'm like, <laughs> huh? Like I love this, but like that's kind of the crowd here. Right. Well, I was like trying to. I was like listening because I was like, oh, maybe I'll hear something. And it was, it was a nightmare. But, but yeah, it was just. I just. I think a lot too much. But like, that Hong Kong night was fun because I just played like a bunch of shit that I never play. Like I was playing a lot of up tempo like house yeah. and like stuff that usually I'd be like, oh, that's not my vibe. But if that's the only thing that's getting people excited, like. That might have been for the sound guy. Like, uh, he might have suggested one song, and then I just went on a fucking tear. But That's cool. He was who I was... Like, whoever's energy is going to feed, like... Sure. I'm going I'm to, like, get excited about, but... Nice. But, yeah, after here, I go to Tokyo to do, like, a Moe Hennessy party. Which I'm so excited to go to Tokyo. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it there. But the same thing. And I'm going to do One Oak while I'm there. Oh, cool. So now I'm like, fuck, what do I... Because, like, at this point, I'm like, well, what do I play for the kids? Right. Like, what are the kids like? I was sure. asking Sujit, like, what do you think they like? He's like, hip-hop? I'm like, yeah. but, like, what kind of hip-hop? Because I love 90s hip-hop, but, like, then I feel like, a, am I a dinosaur? Like, am I just playing for me, or are there other people that like? It's, it's really hard being a codependent DJ. <laughs> Too much thinking going on, man. Yeah, I'm sure. It's hard. So when you so, but you also write music. And, yes, I don't play the songs I write though. No, I get it. But uh, and you have bands. Yeah. Ocean Park Standoff. Is yeah. That right? And so, um, do you, is is that approach totally different? Yes. Those songs, like when we're writing those songs, uh, I just want to write songs that are like happy, positive. Uh, and like hopeful I feel like the world is just such a shit show right now that it's so easy to get bogged down in the darkness of it but I feel like the oh, like the best way to keep moving forward and and fighting the good fight or whatever it is is with hope because I think when you don't have any hope you 
you're just like, fuck it, I'll just sit here in the dark, you know, and just yeah. like, you take care of this fucking problem, I'm, like, I'm not getting sent to a conversion therapy camp, like, right. I'm over 18, like, sure. shit's not like, I'm 40-something years old, like, 41, and like, at the end of the day, like, shit doesn't, like, I live in California, in Los Angeles, like, the shit right. doesn't really affect me so much as in my day-to-day life it does because like I have empathy and right. a conscience and understand that like just because I I can eat lunch doesn't mean anyone can and it doesn't mean that it's I, I'm just not a Republican <laughs> so like I care about other people I understand and so like wait you're not a Republican <laughs> I know it's, it's totally shocking, shocked by right? that Although it's a revelation. I, was, I was talking to friends today and I was like, yo, I mean, to be honest, the best way to make any change at this point is to like kiss up to Donald Trump because fucking Kim Kardashian got somebody out of jail. Like, yeah. And she, and in a way where she was like, it's not about who the president is, it's about right. who's in charge and how I can get shit done. It's, it's funny, I've tried to make that argument that like liberals should be joining the NRA mm-hmm. and like, kind of infiltrating all of these uh, you know, conservative organizations and kind of flip them from the inside. I, I, I haven't gotten anywhere with that. Yeah, it's hard And moving to conservative states. Right. More importantly, like... Yes, that should, makes sense. We should be convincing all our friends to move to Alabama. Right. But then we have to live in Alabama. none of us are going to. No, none of us are going to. <laughs> Sorry. I was just listening to a podcast about Alabama. Shit town? Oh, no way. Yeah, Shittown, Alabama. We should at least be moving to swing states and registering to vote. Yes, for sure. But that's not gonna happen either. But are we that committed at the end of the day? No. But like, if it's not about just pressing like on a photo, I don't like, want to get off the west side. Right. And like, it's hard, it's difficult because like, we want to do the most you can, right? Yeah. And I, I laugh all the time because we are literally doing the least. We are yeah. doing our least. Yeah, you're. And you're clicking. I'm posting shit on Instagram. Like, during the election, I was definitely all over the country trying to rally, uh-huh. doing all that stuff. I was I was doing the most I could then. On reflection, I probably could have done more. We can always do more. Sure. But at this point, I'm like... people to the polls. Right, and I did that for, like, a mayoral race cool. once for old people. But, like... But at the same time, I'm like... I had my time. <laughs> like, it's it's y'all kids that need to fucking do the work now. Like, right. the, ki- the, the kids, the 18-year-olds, can literally swing this election. Yes. This next election. It is literally the ball is in their court. If they... So, we're, um... I'm a little bit older than you, but, but you know, we're of generations where, uh, you know, Bob Marley, Marvin Gaye... People made songs, certainly all the rock hippies um, made, you know, songs that uh, that inspired people to, to take action, right? Whether it was... What's going on? Yeah. Natural fact is, honey, that I can't pay my taxes. I mean, come on, some of the greatest. For sure. Right, and so we had this uh, political music, protest music. That's what I kept saying. Where's the music? Where's the songs? That's what I'm asking you. Where's the fucking songs? Well, I'm a, a white Jewish kid that grew up on the Upper West Side between like New York and London. Like, I feel like for me, Jews control Hollywood, don't you know? That? <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think from it's my voice isn't the voice that's needed. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm not, not saying you should be making the song. Oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm just I'm saying not. like I would love to write the song, but like I don't. I mean, it's good. not you my could, perspective. You could it's right for somebody else. Right. But I feel like yeah. No, I'm not like, trying to point the finger at you. I'm just I'm I'm uh, asking your. Uh, perspective that was on that what as, I that was a, what I thought was was glaringly missing from this movement in general. Like, where's the songs? Like, the fuck, man! Like, yeah. the songs are the thing that 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 do the thing. Like the '60s, and like I remember sure. when I was in college. Like my thesis, what my thesis was would have been had I done it was how like music was how music could move movements and like how like the social commentary of 
our generation was going to be hip hop as opposed to yes. like the way it was Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, and all those people telling the stories. And the oral history from our times would be hip hop now, right? And and how important that is. And like, you know, like fuck Donald Trump was like my favorite record when it came out. For you sure. know, and there's clubs that have like a no, you can't play that record. You know, I've had DJ Spider on the show talking about how like that song and, and others like he goes to certain parts of the country uh-huh. and they're like you know you gotta watch what you play yeah and you're like no but I know clubs in LA that say you can't play that really and I don't want to put anybody on front street but I would love but to I can't I can't <laughs> but I would love to because I, I think it's absolute bullshit that like you're scared in, in yeah, but they're Los in the, Angeles they're in the bar business but it's Los Angeles. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like how, like right. we're in Los Angeles, and you and you think it's gonna affect your bottom line. That says something about the clientele, which means that like we might think that we live in a blue state, but like we obviously well, you're, you're, not you're having you're is. having drinks with the Trump supporter. You just don't know it. That's possible. Or it's gonna get out on social and your tourist business. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Who's, just terrifies me because for me like it. that's it's, it's a it's a it's a complicated time isn't I it? remember right after the election like playing this charity event in LA that I do every year for my friends I played fuck Donald Trump and my boy was like and who heavily campaigned for Hillary yeah. he was like nah don't play that and I was like fuck you dude I'm gonna play it yeah like first of all I'm DJing for you for free <laughs> second of all fuck off bro well, I'm gonna play that if record DJing for free there should be uh, no interference with yeah. what you're playing. Like, it's your charity event that I've DJed every year and right. I will play this and I'm still upset about it. It was like literally three days after the election. I was like, that was the only thing that was getting me through. Yeah. And it, it actually surprised me that there's not more... I mean, I kind of feel for Katy Perry because I feel like people gave her a lot of shit for non... non-Democrats. Know, she, did. she did a lot of campaigning for Hillary. Oh, okay. So, and you know, she's a pop star, you know, and and stadiums, you know, are filled with not necessarily just Democrats. Yeah. So. It's weird that way. Yeah. So for her, I mean, I also think that like her last record wasn't very good. So I think that, that plus that, I, her latest single, I think is great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I can't. Like, I'll play it tonight for sure. Okay. Um, I played it the other night in Vegas. I love it so much. But um, but I feel like some people have been burned by standing up. Sure. But... Do you ever worry about that? I mean, like I, I was saying earlier, you know, you're pretty outspoken, at least on your social. Like, you seem like a person that doesn't bite your tongue too much. Yeah, I definitely don't. Are there things, like, that you won't say because you're worried about the impact it might have on your business no I mean I think (laughs) I think I think that has been the damage has been done on that level already like listen I've uh, I think if you're hiring me you're probably I mean you probably already were yeah, I'm sure there's certain there's. I'm sure I've lost a certain amount of business in certain places because of how vocal I am. Yeah. But uh, I thought about that more after the election. But I also think that that uh, I'm all right, and sure. that's that's cool. And yeah. I think I've also gotten you know probably jobs based on on my right. how vocal I am so I feel like it all evens out anyway I mean it's interesting I had our mutual friend Sophia Bush on the show and she talked about kind of the personal price that she's paid yeah. of like death threats and crazy yeah because she's like she was on a show that took place in North Carolina like right. she's like every girl like white girl yeah. like every yeah, right? You know what's so funny? When I was on Rockefeller, Dame Dash would like bring me to like places, the radio or wherever, and he'd introduce me and he'd be like, he'd introduce me to all these things like, yo, she's a DJ and she's this and da da da. 
she's Jewish. People will be like, all right, all right. And she's like, she's white. And it's like, yo, Damon, they can see. <laughs> like, she's no like, one is confused. There's nobody who's looking at me and being like, what? Dame Dash doesn't see color. Right. Apparently not. Apparently. Because, but, but he definitely <laughs> lets other people know what color it is, just in case. That's right. But yeah, no, with Sophia, like, I always, like, you know, like, she's probably every, like, two-lane girl's, like, this is who I want to be when I grow up. Sure. You know? And those, for that girl to then realize that, like, their politics don't necessarily align. Yeah. Or, like, doesn't... I'm, sh- I'm sure it's tough, especially because she's on, like, network TV shows. She's not, like, an indie actress. She's, like... Right. But which I think is so bold and brave. And I don't know about... If I... I try not to use the word brave because it's, it seems tough to be like, she's so brave. It's like, she's like tweeting and Instagramming and like speaking of things. It's, she's not like, she's not doing this in Alabama, you know? Right. But there is a certain, because but there's a cost for her, to it, yes. Right? So, and so yeah. like, I remember like Deborah Messing and people like that. I was like, yeah, like that is, that is brave. And I was just qualifying why I was calling her brave because like in some cases you're like calm down with the brave they're not like in the minds but like you know like when you're on a network tv show and that is how you feed yourself and your family and whatever else like to to be to to put your neck out there and just be all about it it was funny that I was uh, after you know they brought back Will and Grace and I never watched it back in the day because it was like I don't know, I didn't have TiVo and I'd be DJing. So yeah. I just like never saw like TV from that time. And I was so impressed with how bold and brave that show was at a time when being gay wasn't cool. Like being gay wasn't... Yeah, but I mean, at TV, that's what TV's supposed to do, right? Norman yeah. Lear kind of invented that. You know, who's very like outspoken about people's right to be whoever they are. And yet... They were um, mad at Snoop Dogg because on the, you know, on the Source Awards 20 years ago, he came out with women in dog collars and, and chains. You're still mad at Snoop 20 years ago? Yeah. And like, and like, oh, that's disgusting. It was like, yeah, but that wasn't for you. Right. Right? Like, that was to piss, that was to appeal to his fan base and to piss off everyone's parents and every, yeah. everyone else basically right and so I think you know and like he didn't put you in the dog collar no but those women maybe they were just like yeah I'll take that fucking check they didn't they, if they didn't yeah but I don't know if you can do that today no I mean you could but well I don't know if the TV network I don't think MTV would air it today right right but that's um, the thing that's the problem with all this fucking cancel culture yeah. and all this this overly no not overlay, but this woke culture where it's just like, no, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like, well, where, where does art live in that? Samantha Ronson says, "Don't be woke." <laughs> no, I'm down with being woke. woke is a joke. Is that is no. that your new? No, but it's just like, it's just like I think at a certain point, like, I, I don't want to be told what I can and cannot do because. Of it seems like at a certain point, all we're all kind of like tiptoeing around for the one person in the room. And it's like, well, what about everybody else in the room? What about like, I understand yeah, that like, so, oh, somebody's feelings are always going to be hurt. Somebody yes. is always going to have an issue with you no matter what. So it's like, okay, but at a certain point, like you want me to like curate everything around the one person that's going to have the comment but that comment that person's always going to be mad about something right like I don't know I don't know it's really hard and I get really frustrated sometimes I'm like fuck all that and then and then you'll have a conversation with somebody you're like I get it because so, like ultimately like it's like do you ever watch that show Absolutely Fabulous no the English show well like the only way the daughter of the the crazy mom could rebel was like by being a nerd uh-huh. because like the mother was so out of her right, mind right, right. that like the yeah. rebellion for her was That's like studying math house. and science <laughs> kind of in my house too because yeah. like anything kind of went so like I was just like read books and shit yeah and at a certain point as like kind of a rebellious human being 
when everything is so... Everyone's being forced to be a certain way by it. That it's just like, fuck you, dude. Like, don't tell me how I can and cannot. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Like, it's very rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing with Ocean Park Standoff? Well, Ocean Park Standoff is in a little uh, rearrange right now. Okay. So we are currently doing, like, I think maybe some features and figuring out what we want to do with a new singer. So that's kind of... Fun. Band stuff. It's fun. Yeah, Yeah. bands. Bands are fun. Yeah, I'm sure. A lot of dynamics there. A lot of interesting, you know, a lot of egos. Baby, the boss a millionaire, no briefcase questionnaire. Have you looking so pretty when we ride through the city? I'm the man with the power, and I'm feeling like 50. We could go anywhere, but if we take it there. So, are you working on solo stuff, or you're focused on DJing? No, no, no. I, I do not want to be solo. I mean, like writing. Oh yeah, I'm doing writing, like writing sessions. I really yeah. like ultimately just want to write for other people and like not have half a million miles on American Airlines. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. be nice to be home. Yeah. Uh, but I do like traveling. Also, like right now, it's fun because I get to go to Tokyo, and go DJ, and be here, Fantastic. and kind of just like spin. How, how much of what you do? I mean, I know you're playing Page Six Party tonight. Tokyo sounds like a brand thing. Uh-huh. Um, how much of what you do is brand stuff? Um. Uh. I mean, fifty percent maybe. I because I don't spin that much anymore. Right. So, like, I haven't been, like, for a while I was doing, like, a fun party in L.A. with some friends of mine, and that was really cool, and we just kind of played whatever we wanted, and I have, I was actually just talking to Sujit saying I'd love to do, like, maybe, like, once a month in L.A., just to, like, just to be out and about listening and just, like, seeing what the vibe is, because it's hard when, yeah. like, there's not a lot of DJs that I would go out to hear, so... It's hard to know. No, you should do something and bring DJs in and yeah. get to hear them. Yeah. So, like, I don't have to go anywhere. I just, yeah. like, pick a spot and just bring in a revolving door. I basically, yeah, I basically just want to hear my brother spin. He's really my favorite. Nice. He's good at balancing the new and the old. Yeah. He's very, very scientific about it. Did you, uh, do you live in Venice? I don't. I live, I did. Did. I did for a while. I loved it down there. I used to spin at the brig on Monday nights. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, so you, you kind of like, uh, I think you also sort of popularized moving to Venice. Oh, did I? I don't know, but I, I, I kind of feel like that was the time. I've been on the West Side for a long time, and, and it, it feels like that was the time when it kind of became cool to move to Venice. I'm such a trendsetter. Yeah. For sure. Um, Well, I actually moved to Venice because I needed, my dog was evicted from the city of West Hollywood, and my studio was out in Venice at that point. And then I, uh, in order for me to get my dog back, because she got uh, impounded. Oh, wow. um, I got to choose where, so it was at my vet. It cost Uh me a fucking fortune for four months. But I had to move somewhere and have it approved by animal control. And so I was just like, fuck it, Venice. And because it was near my studio, I didn't necessarily, I had like a couple weeks to figure it out. And so it was like November and I was like, all right, cool. I'll just get a place in Venice. And then I just really got, I really got down with living down there. It's close to the airport. The air smells so good. It's great. I mean, my band is Ocean Park standoff because I was living in the Ocean Park neighborhood. Uh-huh. And then, uh, then I moved to Silver Lake. Okay. And then, of course, as soon as I like had my house and was getting it ready, I fell in love, and now I live in Nichols Canyon. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. So what are you working on next, besides going to Tokyo? Besides going to Tokyo, I am, uh, what am I doing? Working on Ocean Park stand-up stuff, actually. Yeah. Like, we're actually, like, took a little break to, like, regroup, figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And now we're doing writing sessions and just finding, like, features and, uh kind of going to put as much focus into that for the next few months nice and see what happens yeah killer can't wait to hear to make some money yeah sure might as well (laughs) yeah um okay i have a little lightning round some fast
ask questions okay. before I What's your favorite city to travel to? New Orleans. That's cool. Love that I place. went to Jazz Fest last year for the you first did? time. You did? I've never been. Amazing. You have to go. It's like a totally different festival experience. It's like food and music, right? Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Creole food all throughout the festival uh -huh. is amazing. I've got to, I've got to do it. I'm going to yeah. do it. That's cool. Um, who's your favorite DJ? Mark Ronson. thought you might say that. <laughs> What's the last great book you read? Um, uh, I've been reading the uh, the Neapolitan novels, that uh, Elena Ferrante book. There's like four of them. Uh, My Brilliant Friend. I don't know it. Uh, there's four of them. I'm finishing the third one right now. Oh, okay. I'll check for that. Yeah, they're really and true good. crime podcasts, apparently. And true crime podcasts. Um, what movie have you seen the most in your life? Probably Elf or Runaway Bride. Okay. Those are my, like, Elf just makes me happy, and Runaway yeah. Bride was, like, my go-to for, like, watching and falling asleep, but, like, ending up staying up watching it. It's just, huh. it's just peaceful. Okay. I think Elf might be my wife's sentence. I don't have talent, I have blank. Don't have talent, I have passion. If I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? If I worked for you, what's something you... Uh, you're amazing. <laughs> I don't know. what. Is that, is that your... Is that your style? Are you very no. supportive? No. Uh, if I worked for you, what would you hear over and over? Probably you got this. Okay. Are you a good delegator? Um, yes, I believe that I'm not like 100%, I'm like 100% and nothing is nothing. So like, I'm a big fan of whoever's the best at something yeah. should do that. Yeah. Like I don't want, I don't want to, I don't need to prove that I'm great at everything. I just want to be really good at one thing, and I want to be in a room with all the people who are really good at their thing, and then sure. you collaborate. Nice. That's important. I think especially as you get more successful and your business grows and that, like, you can't. People try to do it all. Yeah, I Because that's what got them in the first place. Yeah. But it I think work. at a certain point that stops serving you. Yeah. That's right. Um, who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, Taylor Swift just put one of our songs on her playlist. Oh, cool. And I was really shocked. And a friend of mine was, the other day was talking to me about it. She's like, oh, just, do you know Taylor? I was like, I don't know her. Like, I have absolutely no idea how she found the song and put it on her playlist. But, like, so I think in that, I'm not, I'm not having nothing to do with her yeah, music cool. or who she is but like the fact that like I don't know her at all like right. just like she just happens to like our song and put it on our playlist like that's awesome I'm not necessarily like a Taylor Swift fan but it doesn't matter when it's somebody who's completely out of yeah out of the ether just like randomly as a fan you're like oh shit cool cause that's really real right. like that song connected with you that's pretty cool that's really cool. I'd be scared for anybody else. I'd be scared to like hope for anything else because okay. like that's just always too disappointing. Fair enough. Well, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate Thank you, you for having spending me. time I, I, with me in Cannes. Sorry for not staying on one topic very well. No, oh, that was fun. I love okay. it. Uh, we're in LA, so come by the studio anytime. And promote the new Ocean Park standoff yes. record. When I actually when have something to, to, to promote. Yeah, hopefully. that'll be great. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, how should everyone find you online? Uh, Instagram, at yeah. Samantha Ronson. I basically, like, I kind of don't really fuck with Twitter anymore. It's just too many, just like... Trolls. 
it's not even that. It's just like I've curated it to such a point that it's just like a bunch of like people like me yelling. Right. Right. It's like yelling in a vacuum. Sure. You're just like it's like a bunch of angry like liberals. Yeah. Feeding each other, and you're like, okay, we're we're just talking to each other. Totally get it. We need to get out somewhere else and talk to people that yeah. aren't us. Yeah, totally. Preaching to the choir seems like. So. Yeah. I like Instagram because it's. Less angry and more pretty. I like that. Yo, I hope you enjoyed that one. I know I did. Uh, make sure you leave us some comments, some reviews, some whatever you have to say, say it. You can find us pretty much everywhere on social at Rebel Radio Net, Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're on YouTube. You can find a lot of our um, episodes there some short clips some full episodes stuff you might not want to miss and most importantly come back next week for more rebel radio